Well, good morning, church family, and welcome to our outside worship on this Memorial Day weekend. It's so good to be in worship with you. I'm Pastor Tony. And I'm Pastor HK. You know, today we're continuing our current sermon series, The Original Top Ten. And over the course of the series, we're looking at the Ten Commandments because what we're hoping to do is we're hoping to strengthen our relationships with God and with each other. And so today, we're going to be looking at the Eighth Commandment. Yep. And which one is that? Uh, that's the Do Not Steal Commandment. And something that I don't know, maybe I don't know about you, Pastor Tony, but you know, in my early childhood, I, I definitely am a, I'm guilty of that. But um, it's it's an important commitment that we have to continue to apply and remember in our faith journey. Right. You know, I I've got to admit I probably nicked a thing or two back when I was a kid myself. And um, you know, one of the things that we learn from a message like this is that it's not just possible to steal. To take something that doesn't belong to us from another person, but we can do it to God as well. And so we're going to be examining today with Pastor John what it means to um, not just refrain from stealing, but from giving and creating life-giving community around us. So at this time, I want to invite you to join us in the live interactive chat. Type your name in or log in. Let us know how we can be in community with you. If you have prayers, you can type those into the chat. Any questions, um, we have a host team that will be in community with you. Also, if you click the notes tab under the chat, you can download and print the sermon notes for today. And if you have kids, you can click the resources link at the top of the page. And there are um, resources that will connect your kids to the Kids' Corner videos and other ways that you can worship as an entire family. So church family, what are we waiting for? Let's worship the Lord together. Won't be the battle, we won't be the night. 
can separate us. Hell and death will not defeat us. He who gave his son to free us.
the weak made strong in the Savior's love. Through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. He is Lord, Lord.
May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind Ladies and gentlemen, will you pray with me? Dear Most Gracious and Heavenly Father, on this Memorial Day weekend, we remember those men and women, airmen and soldiers, 
sailors, Marines, and Coast Guardsmen, who, in the immortal words of Abraham Lincoln, gave their last full measure of devotion in support of the very fabric of our national identity. And cemeteries across our nation and around the world, rows upon rows of precisely placed white headstones and crosses, known and unknown, mark physical reminders of their mortal days here on earth. Jesus tells us, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. We lift up in prayer this morning those men and women who fulfilled the ideals and principles of freedom, knowing freedom is not free, so that future generations may live out their lives in the tranquility and blessings you offer all as your gift. We likewise remember the friends and family left behind, and we ask for your continued compassion who remember the fallen, the broken. We pray you ease their sorrows, heal their broken hearts, soften their landings, for they too have served and sacrificed much for this nation. We ask for you, your unique blessings to fill their homes, and we finally ask for your peace, provision, and strength to fill their lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord and Savior, we humbly ask these things. Amen. like to recognize those families who lost a loved one and never returned home. As we keep them in our prayers this Memorial Day, please continue to wrap your arms around those left behind and comfort the mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, husbands and wives, sons and daughters, and all who have been affected by the unselfish sacrifices of their loved ones. armed forces, for the soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, coasties that have served before and gone before us to protect our freedom in this nation. And I especially want to remember all those who've paid the ultimate sacrifice. Let our tears not be in vain, but serve as a reminder of how truly blessed we are as a nation to be able to honor these individuals for their duty, commitment, and unwavering loyalty. Let us never forget our fallen service members who've made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms in the United States of America. And we never forget. May we never forget. We are blessed people. And one of the reasons why we are so blessed is because we, our nation has had a history of 
people who have been willing to lay down their lives for the freedom that we have in our nation to worship and to to achieve or to seek the American dream. And so today, I hope that you're having a very blessed Memorial Day weekend. And tomorrow, when uh, you are at your table, uh, remember to give God thanks for all those who have served and lived and died, that we may be the people of God in the United States of America. Well, like I said, I hope you're having a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. We are uh, continuing in our series called the Original Top Ten. You know what that is, right? It's the Ten Commandments, God's Original Top Ten. And I have two stories to tell you right up front. Here it is, story number one. Story number one took place in Pennsylvania. A brand new branch of Susquehanna uh, Bank opened. It was opening day. They had a big celebration. And the very first customer to come in attempted to rob the bank, believe it or not. Yes. He went up to the window, gave the uh, teller a note, and the teller looked at him and said, I'm sorry, we have no money in the till, and they haven't filled our bank vault yet. Well, the robber, 48 years old, uh, his name Joseph Getz, he was absolutely fit to be tied. He was angry. He demanded to see the bank manager, and he said that he was going to file an official complaint with the Susquehanna Bank for the lack of cash on site. Well, it doesn't end there. There's more. At the same time, at the drive through window, a customer had come up, and the open mic was there, and she heard everything that Mr. Getz was saying to attempting to rob the bank. So she had the brilliant idea that she was going to follow him home. And she did. And she parked outside the house, called the police. The police came and arrested him for suspicion of bank robbery. How about that? That's story number one. Okay. Story number two is this. In New York City, according to official records, there are approximately 8 million cats and 11 million dogs. And when it comes time for your beloved pet to pass away, the city graciously is willing to dispose of your pet for a charge of $50. Well, one lady had uh, a brilliant idea. She thought she could do it a whole lot cheaper than $50. She said, you know, that's a lot of money for some people. And she thought, well, I think I could actually do it for half the price. So she put ads in the paper and she began to get calls. So what she did was she went down to the local Salvation Army store and bought a suitcase for about $2. And she went to the home of the the individual whose pet had passed away, lovingly placed the pet in the suitcase, 
sealed it up and began to take the 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 suitcase with the animal in it out she went down to the subway she got on the subway she would put the suitcase down pretending that she was not looking at it and within three stops inevitably somebody would steal the suitcase and then she'd get off at the next stop and go back home and wait for the next call <laughs> so there you go that was story number two well you know, we're in week number eight, believe it or not. Week number eight on this series of the Ten Commandments. Can you guess which commandment I'm going to be talking about based on those two stories? Here it is, right here. Ready? You must not steal. God says it very clearly, Exodus 20:15. You must not steal. Let's say it together. Ready? You must not steal. There we go. Must not steal. So the question that comes to my mind anyway is, how do we steal? You know, I don't usually think myself as a thief. Do you? But, you know, there are some subtle ways that even devoted followers of Christ sometime fall into and we begin to break the commandment. How do we steal? Well, here's one way. We steal by, by deceiving customers. By deceiving customers. We steal by deceiving customers. And you know, unless you think this is a modern-day woe for our society. Let me let you know that it was prevalent in Old Testament times. In fact, it was so prevalent in Old Testament times, the prophet Amos has something to say about it. Amos chapter 8, verse 5, he said, They overcharge, use false measures, and fix the scales to cheat customers. How about that? That's a quote from the prophet Amos. Let's do it again. They overcharge, use false measures, and fix the scales to cheat the customers. Well, it happens in our daytime, in our day as well, doesn't it? You know, when a repairman makes an unnecessary repair, when a salesman skips over the fine print, when you sell a car and you don't tell all the problems. You know what it's called, right? It's called stealing when you do that. And even we devoted followers of Jesus can sometimes do these things. we got to watch it. God says don't do it. It is stealing. How else do we steal? We steal by defrauding employers. Now, I have to stop for a moment. You know, I, I wrote these out, and I left the U out of defrauding. I don't want to defraud you by pretending I didn't do it. I did it. I left the you out of defrauding right there. My, my spell check didn't work. That was the problem. My spell check didn't work. Anyway, how do we steal? By def defrauding employers. Defrauding employers. Now, I'm not talking about just the employer uh, where, who is padding, or the employee who is padding his or her expense account. I'm not just talking about that. I'm not talking about the one that, simply, that takes equipment home. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about the one who takes merchandise home. It's even different than that. 
I'm talking about when we waste time on the job. You know, most of us are not stealing equipment or merchandise from our uh, employers. We're just not. But what happens when we waste time on the job? When, uh, uh, you know what the Bible does, the Bible calls that stealing. In fact, listen to what Paul says, Colossians 3.23 says this, Work hard and cheerfully at all you do, just as though you were working for the Lord. Yeah, work hard and cheerfully in all you do, just as if you were working for the Lord. You know, if somebody is paying for your time, and you come in late and leave early and then take three coffee breaks and then a long lunch, there's just not a whole lot of time left. God says, hey, that's stealing. Don't do it. All right? That's how sometimes we Christians do. We, we defraud our employers by wasting time. Here's another way we steal. How do we steal? By cheating the government. We steal by cheating the government. Yeah. Matthew twenty two twenty one. Check it out. It says this. Jesus said, So give back to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give back to God what belongs to God. Folks, uh, I, true confession time. I really like giving to God. I, I do. I love giving to God. But I have to admit, I don't like paying taxes. I just don't. I don't like paying taxes. Still, you know, I'm a citizen of this great nation. And because I'm a citizen, uh, I have to pay my share of, uh, and I do so strictly according to the law, uh, but not a penny more. That's what I do. I, I, I pay strictly according to the law, but not a penny more. You know, I, I will tell you this, folks. Tax avoidance is good stewardship, but tax evasion is illegal. And you know what they call it, right? Call it stealing. Stealing. And God says, don't do it. Don't do it. Pay your required share. Don't do it. Otherwise, it's stealing. Okay, how else do we Christians steal well we steal by robbing the lord yeah this is something that we do and that we really got to watch god calls what often what we do stealing and we've got to be very careful it's it's one of god's top 10 right you must not steal and yet we often will rob God. And how do we do that? Well, look what Malachi has to say. Malachi is one of the prophets. He said this in uh, chapter 3, verse 8. He says, uh, you people, actually God is speaking, by the way. God, so God is saying in Malachi, you people are robbing me. You're God. And here you're asking, how are you robbing me? You're robbing me of the offerings and of the tithe that belongs to me. That's what God says. Uh, You know, don't shoot the messenger. It's just what the Lord says. Let's hear it again. It says, you people are robbing me, you're God. And here you're asking, how are we robbing you? You are robbing me of the offerings and of the tithe that belongs to me. Well, you know, sometimes it's the fact that we just don't understand it. And so I, I need to explain to you what it is. The tithe is 10% 10% of our income, gross or net, it doesn't matter that we choose to offer lovingly and cheerfully and gratefully 
back to the Lord. You know, and I do that. You already know that. I, I tithe my income uh, back to the Lord. Any Everything that the church pays me, I give 10%. Actually, we give a little more than that back to, uh, back to Christ's church for the uh, growth of the church, for the expansion of God's kingdom, for reaching out and loving concern to people all around the world and sharing the gospel with them. And I got to tell you, I love that. I love being a part of what God is doing right here at Christ Church. I love it. And I give to him out of gratitude. You know why? I give back to God because I owe God everything. It's just true. I do. I owe God everything. I wouldn't have anything if it weren't for the Lord. And God has blessed me. And as a part of those blessings, out of grateful, grateful, grateful thankfulness, I respond back to the Lord with 10%. You know, and the fact is, you know, I hadn't thought about it, but the fact is, he could have asked for 20, right? <laughs> he could have asked for 20. I mean, after all, if he's given us everything, he could have asked for whatever he wanted. He could have asked for 20 or 30%. The way I figure, folks, is this. I got a great deal. I got a great deal. He's only asked me for 10% and with grateful thanksgiving in my heart, I return that back to God every single month. And God says, look, this is the way I want you to do. Don't rob me. Don't rob me. You know, he calls it stealing. And he says, don't do it. You know, we need to treat God better than that, right? Particularly for those of us who are followers of Jesus, who claim to be followers of Christ. Okay, so here's the, here's the big question right here. This is how do we steal, but the big question that I have for us today is, why should I be honest? Why should I be honest? I mean, God says don't steal, but the question is, why? Why should I be honest? Well, I got a couple of things here for you today just to, to I could spend a whole long time on this, but I don't have that much time. So I'm, we're going to just do a few things together here. First of all, I want you to write this in. If you've got the, uh, the, the message notes, I want you to write it in because this is important. God already knows what I'm doing, right? Why should I be honest? Well, God knows what I'm doing. Uh, we think we're hiding. Of course we can't hide from the Lord. We just don't. God already knows what I'm doing. And you know, here's the deal. You know what people think? People think people think I can steal because nobody knows. Nobody knows what I'm doing. Well, you know, may, maybe your spouse doesn't know, maybe your kids don't know, maybe your employer doesn't know. You know, maybe the government doesn't know. But you know who does? God knows. God already knows what I'm doing. We can't hide from God. You know, and I will tell you this. If, if you believed that people knew what you were doing, would you steal? Well, the answer is probably not. Well, God knows. God already knows. So, you know, when we think that way, Satan comes up to us lands up here on our shoulder and whispers in our ear, you know, nobody's going to know. 
Nobody's going to know. Besides, you owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself. That employer is ripping you off, or the government is ripping you off. You should be paid more, or they should charge us less. It's okay to take home those supplies. It's okay to take home that uh, whatever that thing is. Uh, it's okay to take that equipment. Nobody is going to know. Nobody is ever going to find out, right? Wrong. Somebody already knows. And he's the one you're going to have to give an account to one day. You know, that's what the scripture tells us, that we have to give account an account for our life one day. Well, that's what's going to happen. And he already knows what we're doing. Look here, Job uh, 34, verses 21-22 says this. This is Job. For God watches how people live. He sees everything they do. No darkness is thick enough to hide the wicked from his eyes. That is, you can't pull the curtain over God's eyes. There's no darkness so dark that God doesn't know what we're doing. He already does. I may fool myself. I may fool you. I may fool other people. I may fool the government. I may fool the insurance company. But I'm not going to fool God. I'm not fooling him. You know, one day, as I said, we're going to stand before God and give an account. And I'm going to have to explain to God why I stole something that wasn't mine. You know, I hadn't planned on telling this, but I am going to tell it at this point. Because I, there was a time when I stole something. And I was a child. And I had gone to the grocery store with my father. And uh, while he was getting the groceries, uh, he had put me down and, and I had wandered around the store. Well, I ended up in front of the bubblegum aisle and I filled my pocket with bubblegum. And I... I didn't know you had to pay. I was a kid. I really, I honestly, I, I don't even remember being in a store until that time. But I filled my pocket full of bubble gum. Well, we got in the car after my dad checked out all the groceries. And, and I pulled out the bubble gum. And he said, son, where did you get that? And I said, in the store. And he got me by the shoulders, took me straight in there, stood me up on the counter in front of the clerk, and made me apologize and hand back all the bubble gum. And of course, what I had put in my mouth, he had, all, uh, he paid for. But, you know, that's just a story that uh, I happen to remember at the time. But God says, look, you're not fooling anybody. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't fool my daddy either. And we're not fooling God. You know, uh, we're going to give an account one day. You know, and, uh, and if you're a parent, I will say this to you, because I certainly am a parent and have uh, raised two kids. I will say this. Not only is, does God know what you're doing, but I can tell you it's your 
your kids are watching. They're watching what you do. They're watching how you act. And they are looking for the cracks in your armor. They're looking to see if you are a person of integrity. So what is my lifestyle communicating to my children? And is there anything that I would be ashamed of or you'd be ashamed of if they knew? Proverbs 20 verse 7 says this, God loyal people living honest lives make it much easier for their children. I like that. How true is that? God-loyal people living honest lives make it much easier for their children. I think we can get a witness on that. That's for sure. All right. So why should I be honest? Well, God knows what I'm doing. Why else should I be honest? Here it is. You ready? Because I'll harvest what a plant. You know what that means. Not many of us have farms here, right? Uh, most of us are living in Northern Virginia, and I don't believe our folks in Mexico City are uh, uh, our members in Kenya, or at least our member in Nairobi has a farm. And uh, But we understand what this means. I will harvest what I plant. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Check this out. Are you ready? Here it is. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always, let's read it together. Ready? You will always harvest what you plant. There it is. Don't be, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Okay, if you've printed out the notes, I want you to circle the word always. You will always, what? Harvest what a plant. You will always do it according to God's word. It doesn't say sometimes. Sometimes you'll harvest what you plant. Is that what God says? No. He didn't say that. He said you will always harvest what you plant. It's an inviolable law of the universe. If I plant corn seed, I'm going to get corn. I'm not going to get orange trees. All right? That's just the way it is. I'm not going to get potatoes. I'm going to get corn if I plant corn. If I plant apples, I'm going to get an apple tree. I'm not going to get a peach tree. No matter how much I might wish that I had peaches, I'm still going to get apples if that's what I plant. You know, in other words, if I cheat someone, you know what this means? If I cheat someone, you can be guaranteed it's going to come back around to you. And eventually, you are going to be cheated. You, too, are going to be cheated. God says it'll happen. Just count on it. If I take advantage of other people, I'm going to be taking advantage of myself. I'm going to reap what I sow. I'm going to harvest what I plant. But on the other hand, you know, if uh, you can make this work for you, right? If you use it the right way, if you're honest, if you maintain your integrity and all your decisions, God says you're going to be blessed. Whatever you plant, you're going to harvest. That is, if I harvest integrity, if I, excuse me, if I plant integrity, I'll harvest integrity. If I plant honesty, I'm going to harvest honesty. Proverbs 21.6 says this, Dishonest gain 
will never last. So why take the risk? How about that? Old King Solomon, he was brilliant, wasn't he? Dishonest gain will never last, so why take the risk? God says, look, it's not worth it. It's not worth it, folks. Eventually, you're going to be found out here on earth or in heaven, so why take the risk? So here it is. Why should I be honest? Because I'm going to harvest what I plant. Okay, one more, and that's this. Why should I be honest? Because dishonesty ruins my, let's say it out loud, ready, reputation. What does dishonesty do? It ruins my reputation. Dishonesty always will ruin your reputation. Nothing makes people want to avoid you like the plague than if you are known as someone who's dishonest. If you have a reputation for dishonesty. Proverbs 24, 8, check it out. It says this, A person who plans evil will get a reputation as a troublemaker. Right? It's true. A person who plans evil will get a reputation as a troublemaker. The excuse, you know, I just can't make it in the marketplace unless I cheat. You're dead wrong, folks. That is not true. If you think you can't make it in the marketplace unless you cheat, that is wrong. You know, if you know anything about business, you know that integrity pays. Integrity always pays. Customers want to return to someone who is honest, someone who treats them well, someone who manages their business right. So we want to be a part of something like that. We don't want to go to some place where we know we're going to be taken advantage of, where we know we're going to be ripped off. If you can't make it in the, uh, in the marketplace without cheating, you're in the wrong business. You're in the wrong business. In fact, there was a study not all that long ago, the 50 most profitable corporations in America. They had all of them, every last one of them had one thing in common. Know what it was? They had a moral ethics code for the way they were going to conduct their business. Every last one of them. Folks, when you have a reputation of taking care of your customers, not ripping them off, doing an honest day's work for an honest day's pay, then people are going to seek you out because they're going to want to do business with somebody like you. And so I will say this very carefully and very succinctly very clearly and that is this for your own sake maintain your integrity you hear it for your own sake maintain your integrity well you know it occurs to me that I've got to answer this one question and that's this how in the world do you maintain your integrity or how do you rebuild your integrity if you've fallen? If you found that your integrity is damaged, how do, you, how do you rebuild it? Or how do you maintain it, keep it going? I have two quick things I want to share with you this morning that I think is really important for us. Because if, if you need to rebuild your integrity, you need this. And that is, 
How do I maintain or rebuild my integrity? First thing, make restitution when possible. You need to make restitution when possible. You know where I get the best example of that? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. Uh, you find uh, uh, Zacchaeus, he was the, 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 short, the short guy. And one time, one day Jesus came to town and he wanted to, to, to see Jesus. He was a tax collector, by the way. And uh, so Zacchaeus went out and he couldn't see over the crowd that had gathered along the street. And so he climbed up in a sycamore tree so that he could get a bird's eye view of Jesus. And as Jesus was walking along that way, he did the most miraculous thing that is Jesus did. He, he looked up and he saw Zacchaeus clinging to the branches on the top of that tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down because I'd like to go to your house today. And while they were there, I, well, let me just, I will say, let me tell you, the people who lined that street, they didn't like Zacchaeus at all. And they thought, my goodness, what's happening here? You know, we'd come out to see Jesus, somebody we thought uh, was going to be doing the right thing, and yet he's going to the house of a sinner like Zacchaeus. Well, when they were together in Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus had a a literal come to Jesus time and he he repented of of stealing from the people there in Jericho as he collected taxes in fact he says this in uh, in Luke chapter 19 verse 8 listen to this Zacchaeus said to Jesus he said look if I have cheated anyone, I will pay him back four times as much. Now, let me tell you something, folks. There is a guy who's putting his money where his mouth is. He's putting his money where his mouth is. And, you know, I see this as real, genuine Christianity, folks. I've told you before, Christianity is far more than just what it is you believe. But you know what goes along with that belief? Behavior. Behavior goes with the belief. And here was Zacchaeus putting his money where his mouth is. Well, what else do we need to do? When uh, to maintain our integrity or to rebuild it if it's if it's uh, fallen, and that is, I need to give my full tithe back to the Lord. That's one way you maintain your integrity. You maintain your integrity with God. You maintain your integrity uh, with the Lord when you tithe. You know, if we haven't been doing it, the time to start is now. If you haven't done it, start. 10% gross or net, doesn't matter. We don't get into that argument around here. 
you know, we just do it out of grateful thanksgiving for what God has done. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, check it out, says this. If you used to be a thief, you must not only give up stealing, but you must learn to make an... Oh, I'm reading the wrong... I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong... Uh, uh, scripture. It's Malachi 3, 8 verse 10, uh, and 10. It says this, it is right for a person, is it right for a person to cheat God? Of course not. Bring the full amount of your tithes to the temple and I'll pour out on you in abundance. This is what God says. I'm going to read it again because I messed the whole thing up. It says this, is it right for a person to cheat God? Of course not. Bring the full amount of your tithes into the temple, and I will pour out on you in abundance. You know, I've told you this before, but God has more promises for your life. Do you hear me? God has more promises for your life when it comes to giving than any other topic in all of God's Word. There are more promises for your life that God gives as it relates to giving than any other uh, topic in all of the scripture. So God says, bring the full amount, the 10% into the temple. Question is, where's the temple? It's wherever you worship. The temple is for wherever it is that you worship. The fact is, you know, if, if you're not tithing, you're spending money that doesn't belong to you. And one day you're going to give an account to the Lord for that too. Now, I've run into people with some kind of regularity over the nearly 30 years that I've been your pastor here at Christ Church. And people will say, you know, pastor, that tithing stuff, that's Old Testament. We're New Testament people. Old Testament, who cares? The 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 uh, the Ten Commandments are Old Testament. You're not going to do those either. It's you know we are under grace, absolutely, but grace requires more than the law, and we do it out of grateful thanksgiving. We return God's gifts back to Him. Okay, last one, last one, and that is how do I maintain my integrity? How do I rebuild it? Earn your income. Let's say it together. Ready? Honestly. So say it one more time. Earn my income. How? Honestly. Earn my income. Honestly. All right. Ephesians 4.28. Now I'll get that scripture right. It's this. If you used to be a thief, you must not only give up stealing, but you should learn to make a honest living. Yeah. If you used to be a thief, <laughs> the way he says, if you, Paul says, look, if you used to be a thief, you got to give up stealing. But not only that, you need to learn to make an honest living. That's what Paul is telling us right here. So, you know, I would suggest that you begin thinking about the way you work, making sure that you know that whoever it is that you're working for here on earth, you're working for God in heaven. That God is your ultimate employer. Work as if you're working for the Lord. Be honest. Make money honestly so that you can live with a clear conscience. Let me ask you, do you have a clear conscience? 
I mean, is there anything in your life right now that you don't want to make sure appears on the front page of the Washington Post? I mean, if anybody's still reading a newspaper, maybe I should say, do you do you want it across your news feed, right, on your phone? Is there something in your life that you don't want across that uh, uh, on your news feed? Well, here's the deal. We need to simply make sure, not that we're perfect people, but we want to live as godly people. And to do so with a clear conscience, that we have done our best to love God, to love others, and to live out the gospel life. You know, in the book of Revelation, it says that, uh, that there's no room for dishonest people in heaven. Now, you know what that means. It means every last one of us is sunk. That means we need, none of us stand a chance. I don't either. Because in some way, some shape, some form, uh, I've been dishonest. And so have you. So thank God that he sent us a Savior, right? He sent us a Savior who laid down his life for us. You know, this is Memorial Day weekend. We're giving God thanks that, that there are those human beings who have laid down their lives so that we can enjoy freedom here in our nation. Okay. As wonderful as that is, and it is awesome, and we are blessed by it, the greatest blessing that you'll ever get is by accepting the gift of freedom that God gives us through his son, Jesus, who laid down his life for you and for me. If on this Memorial Day weekend that you want to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the the one who laid down his life for you, you have an opportunity to know him today, right here, right now, And I'm going to give you that opportunity. I want us to bow our heads. I want us to close our eyes. And I want you, if if you want this new freeing relationship with Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer. And pray, dear God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for loving me so much that when there was no other way to get me to heaven, you sent your son who laid down his life on the cross for me. Your son, God, died for me. Thank you. And so I ask now, God, that Jesus may be my Lord, that he would be the director of my life. And not only the director, but that he would be my Savior. 
to wipe my slate clean. To give me the greatest do-over that I've ever been given. To offer my life back to you. Thank you for the gift of eternity. And I pray all this in the holy and matchless and precious name of Jesus. And all God's people say what? Amen. And amen. And so, what better way to start maintaining our integrity than right now? You know, we have the opportunity to give back to God the tithe that he's asked for and the offerings that we give. And so we're going to do that today, and we get to do it in a, a, through our electronics. We get to do it through our smartphone. We get to do it through our computer. We get to do it through our iPad. We get to do it in uh, a variety of ways. I just want you to know that you can use the Christchurch app. If you don't have the Christchurch app, you can get the PushPay app both on the, uh, on the, in the Play Store and on the iTunes. You can get it all there. You can also use Venmo. Venmo is a great way to give back to God. And it comes right here to Christ Church. You just look us up. You'll find us there. And we'd love to, uh, to have you uh, give back to the Lord through Venmo. However you want to do it, we want you to know that we are truly grateful. And may God use your tithe to bless others and that the world may know that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. is falling when fear is coming still you're calling me when faith is lost and my hope exhausted you will be my strength when my mind says I'm not good enough God you're enough for me I decided
go to celebrate Memorial Day with your family and friends, I have several opportunities we want to share with you. We're in a brand new season of Faith Essentials here at Christ Church. Faith Essentials are a series of classes that we put on each year to help you grow in your faith. In fact, this coming Tuesday at 6.45 p.m., we're launching Your New Life. Your New Life is all about the discipleship journey. It's about practical ways you can grow in your faith. We're gonna teach you six different ways that we grow in our faith through this class, and we hope you'll be able to join us. Also, Alpha will be launching the second Sunday of June. And so Alpha is all about those essential beliefs of our faith and encountering the powerful presence of the Holy Spirit. It's a great way to meet community, great way to make friendships that last, and to move closer to Jesus in character. And so we want to invite you to check out Your New Life in Alpha. You can find out more on our Faith Essentials page at ChristChurchVA.org. May is Mental Health Month, and we at Christ Church are responding to just that. We know that there are people everywhere, whether you're a person of faith or not, who may struggle with issues of mental health and faith. So here at Christ Church, we have five families who are going to be sharing uh, their struggle with mental health and faith with you on June the 6th at 7 p.m. It will be live uh, on the website. All you have to do is log on to Christ Church webpage and go to uh, our worship page. You will find it right there, 7 p.m., June the 6th. It's going to be a eye-opening experience, and I hope that you will join me there. To all of our class of 2021, whether you're a high school college or grad students, congratulations for finishing strong and I mean it was an unforgettable year that you guys had to navigate and persevere. Now on June 13th, we want to acknowledge and, and affirm you guys and we want to ask you guys by June 2nd, this coming Wednesday, if you guys can just upload your name and your photo, that'll be great. Then we're going to just pray for you guys and affirm you guys and just go on this new chapter in your life together as one body of Christ. So please go to the link below or go to our church website for more information. And until next time, love God, love others, and live out the gospel life.